This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Westwards podcast for today, the 21st of December. It's uh, good to be with you for what is going to be our last podcast for the year. And I'm here again with Michael, the Executive Director of Westwards. How are we, Michael? Are we, we exhausted but holding it together? We're exhausted. We're holding it together. We've got the end inside. The end is inside. Back in the day when I used to do, um, do laps in swimming pools for... Well, never for fun, but, you know, for exercise. It's, that last lap was always the hardest one, you know. Oh, it really is. And and just because the weather's taken a turn to humid, it yeah. makes it a little bit closer, a little bit more sweaty, a little bit more pungent. The cicadas, <laughs> the cicadas had sort of taken a bit of a break, but they're all back in... in um, you can actually hear... Actually, birds you can hear outside right now. So uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about what a year it's been. I mean, <laughs> uh, as I said last time we spoke out at the Wasabi Awards, if I'd had a dollar for every time someone said, what a year, um, I would have had enough to get a cab fare home. But um, it has been quite the year. It really has been a year. I don't know anybody who isn't looking forward to the back end of it. It's been a year of uncertainty. It's been a, a year of... Um, Dealing with the unknown, really, and it's um, and it's left us all a bit exhausted, maybe a bit jaded, a bit dazed and confused, a bit dazed and confused. <laughs> I certainly feel like I am at the moment. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, so we're going to talk about that a little bit and about what's happening next year. We've got a few exciting things coming up. Uh, first of all, I want to do what we normally do, where we have a quote of someone who lived or died or, or somebody who was born or died on this day in history. I mean, first of all, when I was, when I was looking for the exact date, the 21st of December, I discovered that today, the 21st of December 2020, it's exactly 400 years since the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. My heavens, and look how far America has come now. Look at the look, <laughs> look where at the, we are. <laughs> look where we are. Absolutely, yeah. So um, you know, it's uh, but so so the the two people I have as quotes for today. The first one died on this day mm-hmm. um, in uh, in nineteen forty, and his name was F. Scott Fitzgerald. You've probably uh, heard of him. I have yeah. just a little bit heard well, of what, him. What, what's your take on the old F. Scott? What do you think of his work? Look, it was one of those. Great classics that I read at high school. We're talking about the, the um, Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, and it, and it was one of those moments with that book, where the anticipation was huge because the expectation of being told this was 
a great book. One of the great books of well, American literature. It's right literature. there in the title, isn't it? It's not just <laughs> the OK Gatsby, it's the great Gatsby. Yeah, and so I was looking for its greatness when I read it. And because I was looking so hard for what, whatever was so great, mm. I think I missed it. Oh, okay. I missed it at that first time, my first int- introduction to it. And I missed the sort of the level of poignancy that I know is in there. But I've only come to understand that sort of poignancy in retrospect. It was always a movie that Baz Luhrmann was going to make, though, wasn't it? It was the sort of art deco and the glamour and that sort of fatigued kitsch of that era and the cartoony kind of primary colours and all that sort of thing. It felt like a pretty natural thing for him to make as a film, though. Oh, yeah, and considering his sort of uh, trajectory, which was straight into, uh, out of NIDA, straight into um, Boheim for Opera Australia, mm. and which then got translated into... Um, on stage hmm. into Moulin Rouge, into his into the sort of design scape with his wife Catherine Martin of the of the the trilogy of um, of films which are Moulin Rouge. It was in there in Romeo and Juliet. Romeo yeah. and Juliet. But I think the, the obvious next place for him was something like The Great Gatsby. Yeah, indeed, and I I quite like I quite enjoyed the film. I did like the book. Um, but uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, this is what F. Scott Fitzgerald had to say. A couple of quotes. He had a lot to say, but a couple of quotes. Never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. Hmm. What do you make of that from an artistic perspective? I mean, it's fairly self-apparent, isn't it? Well, every every defeat when you're a creative artist is you think it's immediately because you care so much about um, each project you're working on. Hmm. Everyone is feels like the final one because that was your one chance and you've that's it you've done you could have should have done it better because this is where it's led to but it's not always the case is it no no it's not but even that kind of intellectual understanding really doesn't hit in i have Mm. to say Mm. well the other one he said uh the other quote was this you don't write because you want to say something but because you have something to say do yes. You, yeah. Do you need me to repeat that, or you no, no, I'm, no. I'm just uh, thinking because I suppose I've got to, as you were saying the quote, mm. and I was hearing the quote. I thought, unless you have something to say, I was thought you were going to say, unless you have something you need to say, mm. because it seems to me in the in the sort of the creative process and the, the expression of it, there's a degree of compulsion. And a degree of drive that gets you through all the um, grotty bits. Well, it's kind of interesting that this is where we where we've ended up with this this quote because we've just finished putting together a whole bunch of uh, feedback for the some big projects that we did at places like Cherrybrook Technical High School and so forth, Technology High, uh, and this, this sort of for me is what you get when you often you often get when you go to a school and try to get kids to write because you're saying to them, right, what are we going to say? And they're going, well, I've got nothing to say. Why, why are you expecting me to say something when I've got nothing? And I, I, I guess for myself as a, somebody who works in schools, I think it's not a bad thing to remember that you've got to work out first of all what the kids want to say and then they will find a way to say it rather than going the purpose of the exercise is to write something, now what's it going to be? Mm. But I've heard you talk before. 
is, is there's, a, there's one more step of nuance that you've talked in mm. the office and things about, which is what the, the students want to say in that forum. Mm. Mm. Because it, they, they may want to have lots they want to say, but just when it comes to the, um, the moment standing on the edge of the cliff and the blank page, like you say, they've got nothing. Just freeze. They freeze mm. and they've got no idea what they want to say because the situation the, is, is not conducive. There's not the, the creative situa- uh, sort of playroom, I suppose, mm. in mm. which all creativity has to happen. You've got to have your own sort of playroom, your own sandpit to play in. Indeed, and that, that sort of neatly segues through to the third, um, well, second person, the third one of uh, these markers, if you like, and that's Frank Zappa, who was actually born on the same day, today, uh, the same actual day that F. Scott Fitzgerald died. Mm-hmm. So how's that for some segue? I haven't actually got a quote from Frank. I mean, there, there are many. He was a very funny guy. Uh, but the thing I'd say about Frank Zappa is that he was quite open about the fact that he never practised any of his guitar solos. Every solo he ever performed on stage was completely improvised. I did have a way of segueing that into what we just talked about with F. Scott Fitzgerald, but it's completely gone. That's perfectly fine. But you see, but the, the ability to um, uh, improvise, mm. I think it goes back into that sort of, you know, having the sandpit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was the segue. Thank you. That, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> the sand, as soon as you said sandpit, I thought, well, this, this segues really well by the Frank Zappa thing. And then, and then I realised it was the last day of our work year and I, I just gave up. But also at the last day of our work year, work year, I mean, we've been working together closely. You know, we're getting to the point of finishing each other's... Sentences, yeah. Exactly. Sandwiches. Right. Sandwiches, yeah, <laughs> nice, OK. So that's, uh, that's a couple of quotes there, so uh, something to ponder on as we, we go forward. And speaking of going forward, we've got a couple of things we're going to be uh, rolling out over the summer break, even though some of us here at Westwards are taking a bit of a break. There will be something we're, we're choosing to call the... Uh, the Great Western Summer. It's a bit of a play on the GWS thing, just for anyone who wasn't paying attention. What, what's that involved, Michael? Can we talk about that for, just for a second? We certainly can. Yeah. So I love the way you're throwing to me every, uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, it's, yeah. it's, the it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. Well, over the, over the summer, I think everybody has sort of has become sort of soul exhausted. Mm. Um, but what we have is that we have got... A, if you're wanting a read and you're wanting a different kind of read, there's our anthologies. We've just finished all the anthologies. So over the summer, there's some reading from our African-Australian um, anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Literature Development Project. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Mm. Um, Smile Across the Oceans. Mm. We've, got, uh, we've got another writing group, LGBTQI a plus writing group um, who've got some really beautiful there's some fine writers in that group absolutely and um, and they've got an anthology called Lights On in fact I picked up the hard copy books yesterday afternoon they do look spectacular they do um, but also uh, some of the writings that have come out of our, our Bidwell uh, residency Bidwell public school residency um, we out of the ponds uh, re- residency um, finding the edge pieces mm-hmm. Um, we've, you can go back and have a look at the winners and the highly commended um, from the 
Blacktown Creative Writing Prize, yeah, Blacktown Mayoral Creative Writing Prize. Indeed, it was. We, we had a bit of a launch uh, a couple of days ago, in fact, for the the young people at Bidwell, and um, <laughs> there's one young young chap there. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use his name, but he uh, he he was very let's let's say enthusiastic and had a lot to offer during the uh, the actual groups the the writing workshops. But he wrote a wonderful little poem about um, the heat that is trapped in spicy kettle chips. And I started I, when I was doing a little bit of a talk for the for the kids assembled there, all of, all of the stage three kids at the school. I started to read it, and then I said, "Actually, stop!" And I said, "Actually, would you like to read this to the group?" And he was sort of all embarrassed, and the kids started chanting his name. And so he went, "Oh, okay." He got up and he read it out, and he, he read it very quietly because he was very shy and a bit nervous. And and so I read it again, and afterward, and all the kids clapped. And afterwards, he said to me, "Why did you make me read my poem?" And I said, "I didn't make you read your poem. I asked you if you would, and then everyone encouraged you. And I'd noticed that you didn't actually resist that hard." And he said, "Oh, yeah, but I, you know, I, I, why did you want me to read it?" And I said, "Well, because I wanted you to feel what it is like to read something to the group and how scary that is. But then that wave of response you get from people going." Oh my gosh, that's actually something that I may may not be able to do myself, and they're giving you, and I, I I think he got it. I hope he got it because that's a really empowering thing for a young kid. I think. I mean, I think it, one of the things is that taking yourself to the precipice and uh, taking the step off the other side, mm. you just get caught by that that wave, and what that does for a kid for their internal confidence. Absolutely. Is. You know, you can't get that from a teacher. You can't get that from another adult. You can't get that from your parent. It's something that is given to you by your peers. And we saw a lot of the same sort of thing at the um, the launch for the, the publication at the Ponds as well. The parents came in and actually, you know, showed great support for their young people and uh, that was really great to see. Uh, so we've got some anthology. What else have we got to, well, to well, read over the over the Christmas break? Well, we go back to a school um, in a Sydney uh, high school mm-hmm. and their Year 7s with inspired in-sig stories. And we've also earlier this year published the... Um, last, last year we did, for the very first time, a residency at Cherrybrook Technical High School. And uh, that was with the entire Year 10 cohort of some 470 students. <laughs> now, in the background there, you can probably hear a bit of white noise... That's because outside it's raining. It's raining very hard, straight down. You know, that that sort of a wet summer as opposed to last year's dry it summer. It feels a bit like Brisbane <laughs> mid-summer, doesn't it? It like, certainly does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and so out of that residency, which was one week in December, the first week of December, with 12 writers uh, working with their the Year 10 students, they came up with an anthology and that's on our website. In fact, um, just a few weeks ago, we did the very same thing over three weeks in November and we have got um, a whole lot of stories ourselves to read. We've got some editing to do, haven't we? We do. Um, And and that will be an anthology for the new year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the other thing that I think we were going to talk about with with the summer stuff was the... uh, We've got a whole bunch of mini masterclasses there. We've got, I've just uploaded number 29 today. Fantastic. So 29 mini masterclasses there with everyone from Isabel Carmody and Deborah Bella and Ali Whitelock and uh, 
the one I uploaded today was a, a technology writer or a um, yeah tech writer, a freelance tech writer. We've got people on there talking about ghostwriting, people talking about memoir, people talking about poetry, screenwriting and everything. So if you go to the Westwards website and have a look for uh, the Great Western Summer tile, that will have uh, a link through to the, uh, the podcast section and have a bit of a browse through there. But then there's also the 90-plus... YouTube videos we've put together this year. Yes, it's extraordinary. Not over 90 videos, which uh, when COVID hit at the end of March... and Yeah, I recall it well. Oh, it seems like so long ago. Uh, at the end of, the, end of March, um, we had to make some quick decisions as our, our public events programs um, closed down um, about how to continue to reach our audiences, to continue to provide opportunities for writers in the development development of writing. And so we did, um, there's some various different playlists up there, Writing Western Sydney, the reading. So mm. um, we've got over uh, 30, um, I think it's over 30 readings from writers mm. um, uh, up there. Not we've all of them are from Western Sydney. Quite a few have either done work in Western Sydney, um, but most of them have some connection with with Western Sydney, don't they? Well, uh, I think all of them have a connection, connection. to us. Yeah. Um, but the, the, there's 33 at the moment um, of those readings. We've got uh, we've been doing a, a long form interview once a month, mm-hmm. so that's up there. Um, we've got online workshops. Um, We've got our once a month uh, Poets Corner, which is uh, um, up there. We've got our Kitten Club, which is up there. And if you really want to see the richness and diversity of writing that's happening here and emanating from here, then just enjoy. Just to tie that through, when you mentioned the interviews, we we have um, we haven't recorded it yet, but it's it's teed up, and and I'm looking forward to actually doing an interview with. Uh, Jasmine Seymour and Leon Mulgo Watson, who are two proud Darug women who live uh, in the Hawkesbury region. One is a teacher at Riverston Public School, and the other is uh, works at uh, an Indigenous organisation. Uh, but they are the author and illustrator of a beautiful book called Tui Mitigar that we have spoken about in the past. And I was fortunate enough to be in Canberra uh, last week for the announcement of the winner. Of the news, of the Prime Minister's Literary Award, and Kiwi Mitigar was the winner. And why were you there, Jake? Oh, well, I was there because I was one of the judges uh, for the children's and young adult. But we were—it was a good year for for a couple of things. Firstly, it was a big year for people that we have worked with because Wei Chim was shortlisted for the young adult. Marla Nunn, who's been one of our podcast uh, guests and one of our Kitten Club guests, she was uh, shortlisted as well. And also uh, the, the Martin Chatterton. Martin Chatterton, of course, he was he was in the children's for uh, the his white bear book. Uh, Omar Saker, who was named the winner of the poetry award, he he has done some work with us in the past. He was one of our guests at the uh, poets' corner, but he was also one of our uh, Varuna fellows about uh, what two, in twenty seventeen, I think. Twenty seventeen, and in fact, he was working on this book. He was during that time. He yes. was. And uh, it was good to see Western Sydney represented very strongly. I did actually get a chance to note the following, uh, and that is that it was an incredibly strong year for First Nations. Mm. Now, we thought in the, prime, in the uh, children's and YA category, we thought that uh, it was pretty strong. 
but we didn't actually have much contact with the other judges and the other panels because everything was done online. Uh, but when the shortlist came out, we found it was it was revealed that of the forty people who were illustrators or or authors who were shortlisted for the six categories of the Prime Minister's Literary Award this year, of those forty nine were Indigenous creators. And, and so I had a bit of a chat about this with Suzanne Leal, who is the this year was the head judge for the Fiction and Poetry Prize, and this is what she had to say. When we shortlisted the Indigenous works that we shortlisted and Tara June Winch mm-hmm. was in the fiction panel, yep. um, that was simply because that was the book that belonged there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's an Indigenous... It's a book by an Indigenous writer and, that, and what she writes about bristles with knowledge and bristles with importance and bristles with urgency, it also bristles with originality. And the fact that this um, writer has written a narrative from a dictionary of Wiradjuri words is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. But um, there was no interaction with other panels, so it did come as a big surprise to me just to see how represented and how lauded um, other Indigenous writers were. And look, I think this is something that's been coming for a long time. We've been getting more and more uh, Indigenous writers coming to attention, mm. filling the shortlist, filling the winners' lists. And um, the stories are important mm. and the stories are lyrical and the stories are up there. So that was Suzanne Leal, the uh, head judge from the uh, Fiction and Poetry Awards or category in the Prime Minister's Literary Awards. What, what's your observation about this, Michael? I know Magabala, who is someone we've had a bit of, bit to do with, that publisher is, is producing incredible work. They are. They're doing it. What is also really good and really um, shows just the strengths is that, why, um, you know, you've, you've judged literary awards, I've judged literary awards, multiple ones, we both have, that... Through that process, that's fairly rigorous. And what's very gratifying is that it's very rigorous on the writing. And so when it goes through that process and you see such a strength from First Nations, Mm. it's the strength of the writing that's come through and the stories they have have to tell and how they tell it rather than any kind of, you know... uh, politically being correct or mm-hmm. um, sort of, you know, a bit of zeitgeist or anything else. That's not the case at all, even though it may look it, but it's not. It's well, the, the wonderful thing about the the, the children's list is we had uh, the winner, of course, Kui Mitigar, which is a, a story along Derek's song lines, and so it explores the idea of place and, and country and how people fit in with the country and so forth. But then one of the shortlisted books from that was one of the Cheeky Dogs books by Dion Beasley, who's a, a young Indigenous uh, man from, uh, I think from Tennant Creek or thereabouts, and um, he, he's, he has muscular dystrophy and he also is, is deaf, but he is an amazing illustrator and, and, and storyteller. And so uh, I, had, I had a chat with um, Joanna Bell, who is his co-writer, and here's what she had to say. There's some incredible storytellers out there and I think what's exciting is that publishers have realised that they do need to work a little bit differently. In the the children's space, it's spearheaded by Magabala, but also Alan and Unwin, who's published us, has taken a lot of risks. Um, Erica Wagner, who who really um, 
worked very hard to get this book up. Um, she's she's got this wonderful phrase, which is about like working at the speed of trust. Ah, nice. I like that. And that's just you know something that I adhere to. But unfortunately, it can be very slow. And when you know we're a, a deaf hearing collaboration it's slower than normal and I can imagine that's incredibly frustrating for publishers at times Um, but what can result are these hybrid experimental new forms of storytelling that uh, that are very exciting Um, and who knows where that will where that will lead. That's Joanna Bell who is a co-writer with Dion Beasley of the Cheeky Dogs books shortlisted for the the Prime Minister's Literary Award this year. Just to wrap that up then, so we're going to have an interview with uh, Jasmine and Leanne and also with Wei Chim, who was our, one of our, was our Varuna mentor this year and she was shortlisted for her book as well. So in the summer we've got new interviews? Oh, we've we're still on the summer thing, of course. Yeah, of course we yeah, are. Yeah, we've got new interviews coming up in yeah. over, over summer. Yeah. We've got new podcasts dropping yep. um, over summer. We've got uh, we've partnered with a Hawkesbury Library. Um, we've got Simon French doing a, a workshop in mid January up there. So that's for um, sort of senior primary, junior yeah. high school kids, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got we've got that that coming up. Also over summer, we'll be uh, finalising the um, the people from who applied for the female orphan school residency. Yeah, we had a good. Good take up on that. How many did we get in the end applications for that? We got 35 applications. 35. 35 really strong applications, not kind of ambit, ambit ones, but really strong applications. We got people from Sydney. Mm-hmm. We got people from Victoria and Queensland and South Australia and the ACT and internationally. Mm. Australian citizens wanting to um, come back because of the stories that they could think. They think are inherent in that building of those lived, those experiences, those girls that lived there. Mm. It's it's really heartening because those stories haven't been really revealed um, to the general public before. So yeah, just say, so go to our website and and click on the big link there, and um, it'll take you through to all of these things. What else is coming up this next year? Are we allowed to talk about what's happening next year yet? Well, some of them we are allowed to talk well, about. We can, first of all, we can talk about the fellows because we were, we were holding off on the fellowships where we were announcing yep. who they all were. But we can announce that the, we actually our three fellows are four people. They are. We have uh, Kim Pham who is a uh, screenwriter and she's working with, she's being mentored by Ian David who is a wonderful screenwriter, the writer of Blue Murder and other things. Uh, I think he wrote Sharknet as well. He did. So Kim Pham, she's screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, funnily enough, someone called Vivian Pham who has teamed up with Ala Alpharon and they are graphic novelists. I think Vivian is the writer and, and Ala is the illustrator. And they're going to be working with Campbell White who is a West Australian graphic novelist and, and uh, illustrator and, and comic artist and so forth. So they're very excited about that. And that was the one we were waiting on to kind of square away. So we can announce that Campbell White is going to be their mentor and the third fellowship was Emma O'Neill Sandham. Emma O'Neill Sandham, and she is being mentored by Simone Howell. Fantastic! And tell mm. tell people about Simone. And well, Simone Howell is one of these really interesting cohort of young adult writers from Melbourne. She she was one of the uh, three writers, along with Kath Crowley and Fiona Wood, uh, who wrote a book 
the name has just completely vanished out of my head. Um, but it's something about three girls, and I, I'm so embarrassed that I don't have it on the tip of my tongue right now. It's the summer slide. It's the summer slide. But that was the CBC Book of the Year a couple of years ago, and, and she's also written books like Teen, um, Notes from the Teenage Underground and, and Girl Defective, and she is a superb writer of young adult, but we really felt that what she could offer Emma because of what Emma's writing would be a really good match, and so they've, they're off to a flying start and they seem to be having a lot of fun so far. So... So we've got four fellows doing three fellowships uh, and uh, I think we're, and we're really excited to see what they come up with with their mentors. Yes, absolutely. We also, uh, coming up next year, is that we've got, uh, and we'll talk about this uh, more uh, because, uh, when it comes to it because some of the publication um, schedules have slipped a, li- a little bit through COVID, so I'm not exactly sure when they're coming out. But in the first half of the year... Um, two of our previous fellows from a couple of years ago are getting their books published. Nice, yeah. Yes, so it's uh, these sorts of investment into writing do- does take a number of years to come, come to fruition. But one of the things I have to say is that, um, and it's really important to do so, is a lot of this is facilitated by the support of Create New South Wales and it's also supported uh, by our, our partners. Um, but for the fellowships, for um, a lot of the podcasts and the interviews and the, um, and the readings, uh, that support comes through the Cultural Fund Copyright Agency as well as support for the fellowships. Um, so their investment back into the sector is strong. And we're very grateful for that. But, of course, there's always room for more support. If anyone out there would like to... Uh, throw, a, throw a couple of quid our way. We would be very happy to mention you on our podcast as well. Absolutely, we will. The year that was, or I think you, you subtitled it as, oh, crap, here we go. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, thought, I remember saying that back in February and, and not much has changed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so tell but us... I did say that. You <laughs> did, several times. So what's what's happened this year? What uh, what are some of the numbers you can throw at us and some of the highlights you can give us for what a year it's been? And we'll wrap up on this. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's like it, James was saying, it's been an extraordinary year and it's been in the face of uncertainty, unpredictability, lockdowns and isolations. It's been challenging. It has been exhausting for everyone. But... I don't quite believe it. We've we've actually gone strength to strength this year, through the course of this year, um, and we've done that because of our partners, but also because of the staff um, uh, that I've been lucky enough to work with, and that's James. It's been Christian. Um, it's been who's just come on board just recently, Chris Chris at Chris at Donahue. It's been Haja Alawasi. Um, who's been the associate producer. It's been Cathy Elliott who's helping her with development. Now, I realise that not be, many of you will know these names, but you should know at least James's name because he's a multi-award-winning writer and his writing's really You almost great. said multi-millionaire. I thought, this is news <laughs> to me. We shouldn't, also, we shouldn't forget Simon, who gave us a lot of support with his marketing as well. Yes, yes, uh, to help with the, the marketing plan um, and the support of the ward. These people you don't know, but they do. Their names do need to be said, and they do need to be heard. So this year, uh, let me give you some highlights. This year, we received the patronage of the New South Wales Governor and her husband. 
We were awarded the Commonwealth Bank of Excellence in Arts and Culture at the Western Sydney B Awards for Business Excellence, of which I was also a finalist for Outstanding Business Leader. We received multi-year funding starting January 1 for four years, in, which ensures our ongoing future and the ability for us to plan because uh, it gives a baseline of funding. Last year we had a fundraising dinner, but that couldn't happen this year. So yeah. what we did, we had two fundraising initiatives, one which was around May, which was an art auction of beautiful illustrative work, which were donated by the illustrators. Yeah. And in, in October, Booktober, which is a sponsored, uh, sponsored reading, uh, was fantastic. What we also did at the end of March when COVID came down and um, me and Libby Gleeson, the chair, sat down and had a conversation, we pivoted online. Mm. So our, our events programs, our slams, our, uh, which are also online, by the way, um, went online so we could increase our reach and increase our audience. And, in fact, we have audience for our digital, and this is surprising, we have audiences from, you may expect, the US and Canada and New Zealand and England, but also Brazil and Chile and Argentina and France, Korea. And it's quite amazing that people now know of Western Sydney and are following us. So that's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to be able to provide a platform for the writers and the writing in, in such an unprecedented way. Uh, we pivoted on, online with uh, some of our schools engagement. Oh. So we delivered um, writers into schools. What that also did was that, because it's not in person, we could deliver writers into the classrooms from Queensland, from, from Melbourne, from the ACT. So we could actually uh, bring the exposure of young people to a different uh, cohort of writers and writing. And that's been interesting, Michael, because, you know, I, I was saying to someone the other day that when we, in the past, when we've when someone's come to us and said, you know, do you are you able to get hold of writer X for some workshops? So I'll use, the example I use is Isabel Carmody, who at Northmead High approached us about Isabel doing something to do with a Ursula Le Guin story that she featured in her PhD, and it's a story they're studying, and... In the past, if we'd said to this school, look, we can get Isabel, we do know Isabel, but it would have to be online, it would have to be a, a Zoom or, or whatever, uh, a remote kind of thing, most schools would go, oh, no, it's in person or nothing. But I think this kind of, as awful as it was, this, what we've done here with, uh, across the world with learning online and so forth, it now means that when you do offer that to a school, they go, look, we would prefer in person, but you know what? We've done this before. We're happy to do it again. And so uh, I hope that um, we've become streamlined enough that uh, those sorts of opportunities are opened up. And it's certainly been the case with some of our other events as well that we can get hold of people who might not otherwise have been in the room. And, you know, in, in, in my, my way of thinking, then because digital knows no bounds, no borders, then we have the potential to bring um, writers from across the world into the classrooms. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go so far as to say digital has no bounds because, you know, anyone working in our office today and <laughs> with the, 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 uh, the modem issues we've had will 
point very quickly to a number of bounds. But I take your point. I think Let's not a, talk about broadband, shall I we? A, <laughs> I think it's a well-made point, absolutely. <laughs> but we've also been able to... Uh, we've also been commissioned to do some work. So we've had uh, ten emerging writers uh, working with Sydney Living Museum on uh, uh, A Thousand Words, which is sort of uh, written responses to... Um, Photographs from their mm-hmm. archive. We've commissioned um, by Paralanes Festival, and that that is up on our YouTube channel. So you, uh, because they, they were bit, three bits of writing that were Junie Lee animated, put some animation behind. So we've and at this very end of this year, going back to the anthologies, we published five anthologies in three and a half weeks. And that's just the the way in which the the concertina of COVID happened. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's an extraordinary thing. And uh, in our anthologies, if you go online, you should admire the work of uh, Luke Beaton and Hayley Lamb from Sailor Studios. Mm-hmm. They've been wonderful. So we've kind of... We've also kept working with artists, haven't we, in terms of employing artists. We've had. Yeah, we have. And I, and that it's, it's our kind of little, um, hopefully, COVID support package because <laughs> for the independent um, writer, for the independent artist, this year has been a shocking one. It has. So we've increased our support for uh, writers in terms of employment mm. by 14%. 14, that's, that's impressive. By 14%. I just have done those numbers just now. Um, and in fact, the number of activities has uh, has grown, but I, w- I got called to the microphone before I could finish off the calculation. Oh, there you go. But um, yeah, it's... Absolutely fantastic. We've had um, staffing changes through all of that in, mm-hmm. in response to COVID. I think we've done well and I think we've done well, most importantly, for the writers and writers of Western Sydney because that's what we're here for. Yeah, and we'd, we'd also like to thank all of you who've been listening and have followed us and have given us your support in tangible and in tacit ways as well. What else, what else have we got there, Michael, or are we calling it a, are we calling it a year? Are we calling it a year? Look, I have to say, I think it's a year. It's a year. I think it's a year. It's felt like three, <laughs> you know. And I and I think, you know, the you know the first act was the was the 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 first couple of uh, biblical plagues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of of fire, fire and frogs. Frogs. There was were some locust there plagues. Some locust plagues. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were just sort of headed into an extended pestilence. There weren't a lot of babies found in bulrushes, but apart from that, it was very, very um, pre-apocalyptic, wasn't it? But they could have been. It's just that we weren't, weren't allowed, we weren't allowed, allowed out to, to, to find them. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the first act and the second act was the, uh, the pestilence, and now we're heading into the third sort of act of the rains coming. Well, that's right. So we're going to go and enjoy our denouement, as they call it, and um, and we'll we'll be back bigger and better in uh, or late January. In very late January, we'll be back. We do have a couple of very exciting things um, uh, on the boil. Mm. Um, so, and we're kicking off with a couple of really quite big and impressive things. Um, uh, and it should be said that. We can do that because the New South Wales government have um, are doing an unprecedented stimulus package for the arts over the summer, and if it's not, if you don't, uh, and so ours will be kicking off in February March, 
but uh, Sydney Writers Festival are, are doing a weekend festival down in Carriage Works. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of the uh, other arts organisations are going to be rolling out uh, special programs to show um, that the arts have survived and thrived. Because without the arts, what is the point of any of it? Really, to quote, to loosely paraphrase Winston Churchill. Yeah, because I mean, uh, well, that is one of my all-time favourite quotes. In the middle of the war, and when he was getting lots of pressure to shut the theatres and um, and slash the arts budget, he just snapped at them in the way that only he could, <laughs> and he said, "What else are we fighting for?" Indeed. So thank you to everyone who's been our supporters over the year. Thank you to all the staff. Thank you to all the schools who've been involved, everyone who's been involved with what we have uh, endeavoured to do. Thank you, Michael, for your hard work. Uh, and we will see you bright and early in 2021. And so please be safe over the holiday break. And as we always say at the end of these podcasts, happy creating. Happy creating.